0: Just before we get into today's episode, I want to cast your ears over here to this promo for a few minutes and explain why you might be missing out if you're not using Adobe Express. You've heard of Adobe, right? The chaps that brought you Illustrator, InDesign, and who hasn't been asked, has this been Photoshopped? Adobe is a household name. But have you heard of Adobe Express? I hadn't until the back end of last year, and then, well, I did. Now, I'm not saying that in a few years' time people will be asking you, where were you when you discovered Adobe Express? But they may ask why you didn't start using it sooner. Using Adobe Express allows endless opportunities to scale up your creatives and improve your efficiency and productivity as well as anything I've seen or used. Creating and editing all your creative output with more customizable templates than a Rubik's Cube has variations. Well, all right, Maybe not 43 quadrillion, but you get the idea. And that is just your basics. Real-time collaboration speeds up changes, amends, and creativity sessions with a brand library that holds all your brand assets in one place, making the continuity for designs a breeze. If you don't want to miss out on any of this, use one of the links in the show notes that will take you to a free trial of Adobe Express. Or why not supersize it and trial the complete Adobe Creative Cloud package, which includes Adobe Express, as you'd imagine. Oh yeah, bonus point. If you're already a Creative Cloud user, Adobe Express is right there waiting for you. Now let's do it.
1: Not that far away at all. Quite a gargantuan number. I think in the face of that, it's quite easy to freeze and just, just be paralyzed with it. Or equally to become jaded because we've been chasing the same number for as long as I've been working in the sector.
0: Welcome to Construction Disrupted, the ultimate podcast for the construction industry, exploring the limitless possibilities at the dynamic intersection of construction and technology. Wow, that's a mouthful. Delve into the latest topics, news, events, expert insights and marketing that are shaping the industry right now and in the future. We'll hopefully sprinkle a little bit of humour in there for you as well. I'm your guide, Peter Sumpton, and I run a construction technology marketing agency, Build Different. If you're ready to embrace disruption and unlock the potential of the construction industry, keep on listening and be part of the conversation that's reshaping the future of construction. If you're not, uh, I really wouldn't bother. It's it's probably not going to be that interesting for you. Whether you're a construction technology professional or just part of the construction industry in general this podcast is your go-to resource for staying informed inspired and of course connected speaking of connected the best way you can help to support this podcast is by sharing it far and wide and leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts right then let's go and build different and get disruptive If there's one thing the construction industry loves, it's a report. The longer, the better. The more complex, the better, or so it seems. But sometimes size (coughs) isn't everything. Over-engineered reporting can stifle the main outcomes and put blockers on achieving over-inflated or even unachievable targets. So it's always refreshing to see a report that cuts the crap and get to the heart of the matter. Today, we welcome Ryan Jones, Managing Director at SLG Agency. Ryan has almost 20 years of experience managing communications for some of the construction sector's biggest names, building up a wealth of strategic marketing experience, which is kind of singing from my hymn sheet, fantastic stuff, I think this is gonna go well. Uh, his, His passion for construction And belief in the need to improve the image of the sector has led him to found Deconstruction. If he wasn't busy enough, a not-for-profit with the sole purpose of fixing the skills gap by changing the public's perception of the industry. Sounds like a simple challenge, doesn't it? And it's one we've covered before with Catherine Lennon Johnson, episode eight, and Rich Smith, episode fifteen. But we're going to take it a step further this time, and we've actually got specifics and detail. Imagine that. So. are we going to do today? We'll look at some stats because Ryan has recently, through Deconstruction, published Deconstructed 2023, which is a report with YouGov, to bring the public perception of the construction industry right front and centre into view. Ryan, first of all, welcome. And did I miss anything from that intro?
1: I think you've covered about everything there. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it, Peter.
0: Fantastic. Excellent. Right. So, I think it's massively important that we give everybody a bit of an insight into what the heck this is. So when you first download Deconstructed, on page two, it states, warning, worrying statistics ahead. So before we step into these worrying statistics, tell us a bit about the report.
1: So the report is is something we're we're aiming to run annually. Um, If I kind of jump back and maybe explain a bit about Deconstructed and where that that came from. Um, So, as you mentioned in the intro, it's nearly 20 years I've been in marketing, but about 15 of that squarely in in construction. Um, And I thought I was a bit of a a sort of strange case in that I had no desire to work in the industry and fell into it completely by accident. A colleague asked me to uh, to help on a project, a marketing agency that I was working at, um, and it just kind of took off from there, and it's it's completely changed my career. but i I, I kind of kept seeing skills gap from from the second that i joined the sector it just been something that kind of hummed in the background amongst the many other issues that that the sector has to uh, to solve of course um Mm -hmm. and yeah the the more that that i read about it the more conversations that i'd had about it the more i was exposed i realized that i'm not that unusual a case in that i've yet to meet that many people that haven't either joined a family business or had someone else sort of recruit them into the sector or, or push them into it there are very very few people i've met who made the conscious decision at school or college or any other point to say this is the sector for me i'm going to specialize in this and i'm going to build a career here and it fascinated me a little bit but i didn't really know what to do with that until i heard someone talk about skills gap and kind of reframe it as a a brand problem and that, that construction as a brand needs to you know kind of approach the the mm-hmm. employment market on that basis and that was when the light bulb pinged on that, that actually that's something that that me and my company do every day, and and therefore that becomes a a solvable problem. So so obviously the the, the big stat that that gets bandied around is um, from the CITB, which is circa you know a quarter of a million new entrants to the workforce required by 2027. So not that far away at all. Quite a gargantuan number. I think in the face of that, it's it's quite easy to um, to freeze and just just be paralysed with it, or equally to become jaded because we've been chasing the same number for as long as I've been working in the sector um so so that the idea of brand problem we have a, a kind of a i guess a rather formulaic way of solving those things and the first thing is to to go and speak to the market and and go and gather data um i appreciate the irony given what you and i do for a living but <laughs> i think the sector is very good at talking amongst itself about mm. the problem and identifying the problem but we're, we're less good and, I, and again i understand that the day job gets in the way and we, we've all got you know several pressures on us but we don't go that next extra step of actually going speaking to the people that we need to engage with, which is is the general public. So, to make a long story longer, um, in answering your question, um, that was where deconstructed came about. Was that we, we we could find the the odd pocket of stats. So so the headline one, I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Um, you know whether or not you would actually consider a career in the sector. We'd we found similar stats for that, but but Leicester unpacked that particular statistic and, and got underneath the, the skin of. You know, either you know, if you would consider a career, you know, why and what would that look like, and and similarly, if you wouldn't, why wouldn't you, and and what else would you would you think about doing instead? So, mm-hmm. so that was our starting point. This is just a, it's a, a simple data gathering exercise, as you say. We work with YouGov; to, it's a two thousand person nationally representative survey, so um, statistically significant and and can be you know replicated with a, a fair degree of confidence on a national basis and. As you say, um, for, for those of us that have worked in the sector for some time, worrying statistics, albeit not that surprising, unfortunately. But what I think it does is provide us um, it, it's a benchmark and some context for, for what we might do to address that image problem
0: going forward, for sure. And I think near the end there, you said uh, worrying, but not surprising. And nearly every report that I found within construction, it, not just skills, but anything, is pretty much that. It's always yeah. worrying, but it's never surprising. Yeah. Um, un- un- unfortunately, one one quick question is that do you do you think right now, um, because you are right. Ever since I joined construction many 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 years ago, <laughs> um, uh, and even even probably back then, and from what I've I've, I've found online when this whole started the skills gap kind of thing, do you find it's a bit of a Frankenstein in the? And what I mean by that is that. If you say to somebody, Frankenstein, they think of the monster and Frankenstein wasn't the monster. It was the, the, the it was Dr. Frankenstein who created this monster. And do you feel that the skills gap is this monster that we just end up talking about and it will always be there now and, and it will forever be a skills gap? Or do you feel that we can close that gap?
1: I think we can. Call me, call me an optimist. I think th- th- there's a strange kind of paradox. You, you're absolutely right that you know we, we've led with these stats are worrying and they are worrying on the surface mm-hmm. of them. I think I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later on. If you know and understand the sector, once you dig into what the public think, there's actually quite a few encouraging bits to take away. And the, the, the principal thing for me is that the public don't understand what construction or the built environment, call it what you will, as a sector is and does fundamentally. Um, and, and while, you know, you you could get upset about that and, and you know, understandably so, I think the, the big thing for me is that, to, to your point on Frankenstein and, and that misunderstanding, it's not that the public get what the sector is and does and they're making the informed decision to reject a career in it, hence the skills gap. It's that they don't understand what the sector is and, and therefore it would be understandable that, you know, members of the public can't, can't visualise themselves doing that kind of work or see themselves in the sector because we're not showing them the sector at the minute. They're They're seeing a very small highly visible part of it mm-hmm. and they're rejecting that part of it. So um, yeah, I think that's, it's a really decent analogy.
0: Okay. So good segue here. And something that struck me about the report was the, the, the contradictory nature of some of the stats. So uh, looking through it and and the, the thing that I really liked about the report was that um, it was visual and it was, it was simplistic in in the way mm-hmm. it answered the questions, but there was a lot of information there. Uh, so of respondents would consider a career in construction themselves. 3% said they'd be impressed with a career. Okay, so they're really teeny tiny numbers, really. But 51% would recommend a young person start a career in construction. So what gives with this? Why are we seeing this less impressive, but people still would recommend it?
1: It, it's the most surprising element of, of the whole thing is where you look at those questions in isolation and, and, and they, they, you know, they, there is some interest in there. But when you mm-hmm. compare, you know, the statistics around would you personally consider a career in the sector versus, you know, would you recommend it to somebody else, particularly to a young person? It's almost this idea of, well, no, not for me, thank you. But however, it's, it's fine for them to do it. I think there's maybe a, a tacit recognition there of the the importance of the sector but that's a job for somebody else to do there's similar kind of things in there on um you know when we compare construction to other sectors and things like the armed forces for example, you know stacks up you know pretty well in terms of you know you'd be impressed with this and and the recommendation of it to others but the underlying stats are exactly the same you know I wouldn't consider it it's it's not for me i I wouldn't do that however fine fine for this person to do it so um mm. it, it's an interesting one again, I think it's um th- th- there's a soft recognition there of the importance of the sector and and somebody has to do it. Yeah. but I wouldn't like to do it. And again, going back to, to, to that earlier point of once you unpack the reasons why people wouldn't want to participate, it becomes quite quite clear, I think, as to why that would, would be the case and that fundamental misunderstanding of what the sector does.
0: Probably a nice analogy for for most things, isn't it, particularly within construction, that, that we all say the right thing, but then when it comes to actually doing something, it's a little bit standoffish. I'm thinking things like greenwashing and stuff like that, uh, it, it's very much, it, I, I always find this thing around, um, generation X or Z or Y or whatever on at uh, uh, this moment in time, people say they need a purpose and they're all about sustainability and everything like that. The issue I have with that is that if you ask a thousand people is sustainability, is sustainability important? I reckon 999 of them would say, yes, it is, but you're not going to get 999 people being that sustainable you're just not whether it's right or wrong you're just not so any stats when it comes to that can be slightly misleading i find because they're never going to say no nah, i don't want to be sustainable i just want to dump my rubbish anywhere and let's kill a few more fish with plastic you know what i mean it's, they're not going to say that are they no exactly um, and, and and that's what i find with the, the the skills gap and and in construction it's like you said it's very much um well i'd be impressed if you built a house would you want to help me do it? Oh no, 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 not for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. I, I think there's um, there's some enormous things that, that, that the sector has to do. You know, that, this idea of, of you know generation you know Z or generation Y need a need a purpose. They absolutely do, but they, they've got a pretty big one in in stopping the planet from exploding, as as the construction sector does as well. So um, yeah, it, it's it, as I said before, with these these big statistics, these big issues, it's, it's incredibly easy to to get overwhelmed and feel. Feel a bit helpless, you know. Well, you, I can do my part, but you know, what what good does my part do, and how does that add up to fixing this enormous, enormous thing? So again, if we don't contextualise those issues properly and kind of understand the the role that people have got mm-hmm. to play within them, then yeah, it, it's difficult to see how they how they get fixed. Hence, I guess to, to pull it back to the sector, why things like skills gap have, have sort of stuck around as issues for as long as they have, and why we haven't got any closer to to closing that gap.
0: Yeah, for sure. So a really good comparable is is healthcare. I think you know. Th- I mean, there's loads of comparables in 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 the report to to different industries, but healthcare outperforms construction in this report nearly every single answer, and sometimes ninefold. Right? <laughs> um, the only the only comparable that the two have uh, uh, are being equal on pay hmm. um, in 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 the report. Both industries can be seen as hugely important to uh, the economy, to health. To well-being, to social, to behavioural, to, to, to everything for very different reasons. But what's healthcare doing right that construction isn't to outperform it so well in this report? It's a really interesting
1: question. I think um, I think what healthcare has done. I, again, if, if I step back a decade or so, it, mm. it, it was kind of this thing where you know lots of hand wringing and, and you know you know the NHS being underfunded, not fit for purpose, you know doesn't operate correctly, etc. I think. Covid really, really brought it into to stark focus just how, may, maybe particularly so in the case of Britain and and you know the NHS and and part of that being you know being part of the national psyche. But I think it really brought home the importance of that sector to our everyday lives and you know to our literal our literal health. I think I think what that sector has been able to do is to there's a, a very clear and very obvious you know. For, literal cradle to grave touch point that that sector's got with all of our lives and it's, mm-hmm. it's done well at reinforcing that showing the the human element of it not just on you know the impact on, on on us as the general public but the human side of the sector and the people that work within it um i think that there is still that that goodwill and it's still very much front of people's minds and i think construction can do a similar kind of a job you know if you the, the the, the the things that the sector is able to impact the the homes that we live in, the hospitals themselves that you know yeah. our children are born into, or you know the you know the the care homes that we'll all be looked after in a, a, you know towards the end of our lives, the schools our children are educated in, the the roads that we drive on every day, there is a massive human centered story to be told there. Um, but again, as as we touched on earlier, we're so we're so busy we, we we've got so much that as a sector that we we need to focus on day-to-day and our own you know concerns around sales material shortages um you know rising prices etc there, there's a lot for, for people to to think about and i can understand the temptation to focus on my role and today and tomorrow and not really see what happens beyond that again that that, that feeling of helplessness and that feeling of this is too big for me to solve and what can i do but um as you say, healthcare has done that, I think, to, to some degree, and, and the stats in the report bear that out. So it, it's something to think about. And I think, you know, this idea of image and, and how we solve image, that would go a long way, I think, to be able to, to connect, not to change what the sector does, but to change the narrative around what the sector does and make it feel like it matters more to the everyday lives of people.
0: Yeah. You've almost got this prevention and cure kind of thing that in from a healthcare perspective, they're there to cure people in in a way like you said but they've also got that benefit of cradle to grave benefit if you can call it that uh, whereas in, in in construction you could very see it as as preventative rather than cure in like you were saying the houses we were in and the buildings we work in and the infrastructure and if you get that that right and you make that safer and healthier and and, and things like that then you know your health care becomes less because of the environment or the built environment you you live in
1: well, in, in in a very real way, because I, I, you, know, the, the, you can't avoid stories this week of what's happening in the private rental market and some of the absolute mm. horror stories of the conditions people are living in. You know, when I look at and um, the, the, listen, the, the press have to report fairly; they have to report mm-hmm. accurately on on the things that they see, and, and you know, sometimes that that is unpleasant. When I look at a lot of the stories, and I can think of a couple of exceptions that prove the rule, but the, the big stories from the the construction sector um, and, and and the housing sector that that. You know, really drive cut through in, in mainstream media, they're not good news. You know, they're, mm. they're, That's the most recent one I can think of is, is what's happening in the private rental market and, and the state of our housing infrastructure in that space. I can think of HS2 cancellations. I can think of the school's um, concrete scandal. I can think of missed house building targets. If you were going back to, to the very start of this, if you were a member of the public that were considering a career change or advising someone else in a career change, and that's the only bit of the sector that you're exposed to is what you consume in mainstream media. Why would you? We 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 shouldn't find the statistics as, as surprising or as upsetting mm. as we do. It should be, of course, of course, those would be the statistics that we'd receive when we ask that question because we're not doing enough to control what's being said out in the mainstream. And I think, you know, for us within the sector that understand the sector, we have to shape that narrative. We can't leave it to people that don't fundamentally understand what we do to be the ones to tell that story. I think that's it's a huge part of the problem.
0: And then, then if if you look at if you look at those stories, and you look at healthcare, what in terms of a a profession being a nurse, a doctor, a physician, whatever it is, um, it's very much you can see the change that you have on an individual basis, and it's almost presented as you can make a difference. Whereas in construction, I don't think we get that message across about how important it is and the difference you can make to people's lives through the buildings or through the infrastructure or whatever it might be and i think that that for me is the the difference between the two in terms of perception don't get me wrong it helps that that it's um a public sector and one's private but there's still a lot of public that goes on in in construction isn't there and and i don't think they're getting that right
1: i completely agree i think the other thing that i would add is you mentioned there you know doctor, nursing, support, like you, you and I you, that don't work in the healthcare sector could reel off, I, I would guess, something in the region of a dozen mm. different roles within that sector. Um, understandable to an extent, as we, we mentioned earlier, you know, we, we, we all have an interaction with mm. the healthcare system at some point. You couldn't do the same, I don't think, in reverse. I don't think you could speak to someone in, in the health profession and ask them for a dozen roles within construction. Again, I, I mentioned it before, but some of the the more... Troubling stats on the face of it, but but where I think the the sort of silver lining comes from in the report was that we asked for people to to do some word association, okay. what they they think of the sector, and seventy percent use the word strenuous, fifty two percent use the word dirty, and only eleven percent use the the word forward uh, the term forward thinking. Which again, I can hear you laughing. Doesn't sound great. Um, yeah. But we know it's not. No, I, I I work in construction. I wouldn't consider my role to be particularly you know strenuous. It's certainly not dirty mm-hmm. in the way that the you know a, a work on site would be. Um and I would like to consider myself reasonably forward thinking, at least. Um my, my point being that when people within this the this report and you if we extrapolate that at a national level, when they say construction, they don't mean construction, they mean contracting and subcontracting. Yeah. Um so so you know, in, in something like healthcare where more of the sector is visible to more people. Mm-hmm. It's easier for people to to see the path that they have in there. And you're absolutely right. There is also that ultimate end point of seeing the the impact of, of what they do. So they, they, there's a twofold thing, I think, going on there. that are lessons for construction there in, in making more of the roles that make up the sector visible so people can more easily see the path that they could take regardless of their you know interest or the way that they think or the kind of career they want to build for themselves. Like, let's show mm-hmm. people more of that. And equally, let, let's absolutely talk about the impact that the sector has on, on us all and, and on the public at large, because you're absolutely right. It, it, it materially impacts on on day-to-day life in this country.
0: I don't think we give enough praise or, or credit or awareness to the whole, I, I built that, uh, the, you know, the people that help build things because NHS or, or healthcare, you're seen as save lives, help people, save people, whereas in construction in 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 sorry in healthcare you, you can point to an individual and say that but w- within construction um it, it's very rare that some a subcontractor will get credit for you know dry lining an entire building where it's it's got huge benefits um that's just forgotten whereas in healthcare it's it, it's a lot more open and, and and apparent and it's a bit of a a, a shame you know people should have plaques on walls with with every single individual <laughs> that worked on on that um on that site i think that might help
1: yeah no it might go some way I, it's interesting there's um there's one client i remember from from years back I, you know to your point on drylining we work with a lot of product manufacturers in the sector and their work is even less visible because it's it's, yeah. a, it's part of the whole as opposed to the whole itself but um yeah, we, we were brought in and, and the company wasn't in phenomenal shape. But there's one guy that had been there for for decades and amassed a wealth of experience. And I, 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 he had other family members that, that worked at this particular place. And we were quite blunt, we were quite, you know, candid with him. You know, what is it that's kept you working here? Why, you know, why would you stay here through all of this trauma and not move on somewhere else? And his response really stuck with me. It was that every Saturday, you know, my son and I go to the football and we drive past the shopping center and the car park next to it and the building next to it. And I point to those and go, Dad helped to build that, and and that 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 permanence mm-hmm. of of the structures. You know, we have got clients that have been involved in the Battersea Power Station, you know, regeneration project mm-hmm. that had products on the original Battersea Station. Oh, nice. So there's um yeah, there, there, there's something in that that permanence and that you know I helped to do that. My my granddad mm-hmm. was um, a mechanical engineer. And worked on sydney Opera House and and that was always his claim to fame whenever you know bored us to tears but whenever <laughs> that came up on on television um that was that was that was one of the things that he used to mention to us so uh, yeah for certain I think there's something in that
0: so let's let's take a st- step back uh to, to kind of a, a younger generation when it comes to to skills and highly skills highly skilled roles and, and education it isn't really seen or what the report's saying is it isn't really seen as a prerequisite into construction. Mm especially when compared to other industries such as finance and, and, and business. And if you think about a lot of the services in construction, they, they are actually centered around businesses. Like you said, the visible bit is what happens on site, but the rest of it offsite is usually business industry orientated. So it kind of heightens the attention given to the skills and the lack of skilled construction workers that are available Um, I think the reason for that going back to, and I've probably said this on a previous podcast is that we had one business lesson for 60 minutes in our final year at school. And you either went to university, you went to college, or if you were thick, you had an apprenticeship and that meant mechanic. It meant plumber. It meant construction. Um, Thankfully, or I'm hoping that has changed, but, why are we still seeing construction as, or, or potentially, we might not be, you tell me, but why is it seen as a role for, for dummies for a younger generation? And I'm from that perspective, I'm talking about the fact that the report says you don't have to be highly skilled.
1: Well, I, I'm hoping from from listening to the previous episode with uh, with Catherine that that is starting to be addressed to, to some degree now in schools. I think yeah. It probably, it probably links to that earlier point. There, there, there's some work that's been done by um, the likes of the Save Construction Initiative. Um, they, they ran a campaign a few months back, not just men in muddy boots. And I think, unfortunately, that's still that, that, that's still the offer as far as the public are concerned. It, it probably comes back to that controlling the narrative point. Um, again, I, I, the, the sector is quite fragmented. I was on a panel a yeah. while back with uh, with Terry Watts was was pointing to um, to retail as a comparative point, particularly you know the supermarket sector, that you know Tesco. The biggest brand in that space i think their market share is something in the region of, of high 20 percent to sort of low 30 percent which is huge construction's way more fragmented than that you know for for, for all of the of million, you know pushing a north of a billion turnover businesses that operate in the sector from product manufacture through to uh to design and build and contracting mm-hmm. there's there's no one dominant to that extent so if you're outside if you're you know going through you know higher education if, you, if you're studying at university at the minute there's not those obvious brands to, to look out for you really have to be motivated i think to go and do your homework and look for those opportunities now i know there'll be there'll be brands that will say well you know we go and do um jobs fairs and we go and outreach to universities etc and that's great but it feels quite fragmented at the minute and it feels like it solves a problem for that particular business rather than for the sector as a whole um anecdotally you know there, there was a young person i was speaking to a couple of weeks back that's a third year um, engineering undergrad that said that they'd been approached from a variety of different sectors so the, the car builders had been in touch I think um, Tata Steel and, and, and others had been in touch no one from the construction sector there was no one organization that had been in touch with that that graduating class that you know we'll, we'll be heading out into the either further study or the world of work in, in something like six months time um, so we need to we need to really get better at that I think again there's, there's the representation point there's controlling the narrative so that the public see it earlier and sooner um stuff like things like you know rich smith is doing with when i grow up you know for people that are already in the sector don't forget we, we've got a workforce that's north of, of two million strong at the minute across the sector you know we're all ambassadors or should be ambassadors for what the sector is and does and, and the kinds of things that are available so so we all have an individual part to play um but yeah i think we all need to be more conscious in our in our day-to-day lives and our day-to-day communication about what the sector can do and, and what the sector is in order to combat that
0: yeah, for for me, it's it's a bit of a a shame that we're not building household names in in a way. So I'm I'm thinking that going back to the the school thing, that if if you're gonna say to people who do you want to work for or name some brands that are impressive, I can't think of a construction brand that's going to be on there, you know, and that's that's a bit of a damn shame if you think that. They're the lifeblood of infrastructure and the lifeblood of our houses and the buildings we work in and things like that. That names aren't easily recognisable and people can recognise those. I mean, it's it's clear we've got an image problem, right? Yeah. Now, so I think, as
1: I said before, there's some big issues for for the sector to solve. It, it hasn't been the easiest sector to, to trade in, in the last couple of years, you know, for, for all the reasons that we outlined earlier. I can't think within that of, of one brand that would have, you know, bothered with a a massive, mass media, mass attention, mass audience kind of a campaign. I think any, any marketing activity for the most part has been geared very much around certainly brand building, but, but mm. brand building within the context of, you know, who, influ- who, who influences the sale that I need to make, be that a product or service um and who are the people in and around that, that that have a degree of influence there's no thought for going beyond that and you know, to your point in, in reaching the the general public and, and having that name brand cut through in that market why would there need to be to a certain extent um i guess it, w- it would be helpful in terms of our our sector's perception and and the want within as you say yeah. if there was a name brand that you know i want to work for for this individual company um the the buildings that we drive past on a daily basis our homes our workplaces they're not overtly branded so we we don't have that kind of media available to us other than when work is taking place but um yeah there there, there hasn't there hasn't been the need i guess for any brand to to force that level of cut through and therefore it it hasn't happened you know if if you've got budgets to manage and you've got targets to hit and a certain type of demographic you need to engage with i I understand why people would focus on on achieving that and i think that's that's kind of where we're coming from with deconstruction to a certain extent is that if we can create a vehicle that others can can participate in so that they don't have to think about doing the, the sort of direct-to-consumer outreach that you know w- will help with that. So one of the things that we want to do is to, to run the survey um every year, understand you know where, where we sit statistically and, and what's moved and why. Um, and then run a year-long campaign at the general public, kind of forget mm-hmm. the sector and, and and go and speak to those people on the to, to your point. If if we need a brand that people can can recognise and can understand, then then you know we hope it's going to be deconstruction, and then people can find their way to employers within the sector from mm-hmm. there. Because um, yeah, there, there, there isn't that obvious brand at the minute. So that's what we're hoping to be in time.
0: Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with the whole brand visibility and and and, and awareness thing. And maybe that's why we're uh, we've got a bit of a skill shortage mm. in that you know we haven't had the the time, the resources, the inclination, the nouse, whatever it might be to think that far ahead and think well you know if we're household names people will want to 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 work for us you know i got into this industry way 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 back in that um you know my dad was a joiner my mum worked for a construction company um and various other members of my family did as well so that's that that's my only link to this industry that that pathway um and that's because it was in my childhood and not because I was shown it or, or, or taught it or, 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 thought anything else of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, just, just coming to the end last, last few questions here, right? And so this is, this is one that's probably more, um, your own perception mm. or your own take on things. But we spoke about a lot of the the answers and the stats within the report For, from your point of view, what, more what were the surprises than what weren't, because I think we can highlight what weren't the surprises. But what was surprising when when analysing these results?
1: I, I, the, the biggest one that we've we've probably touched on, there was there was that kind of the, the, the disparity between whether I would consider a career or whether I would recommend it to someone else. One of the things that I really want to unpack going forward is you know why that exists. And as I said before, my, my hypothesis is on. People understanding the importance of the the sector, but because they only see the the contracting and subcontracting side, that I don't want to do that. But I I recognize that someone else needs to do that. Um. So so that was an interesting one because I, I really hadn't I really hadn't thought about that. If I'm completely honest, mm. I uh, I thought they would there would be some parity there between. It's not right for me, and I, and consequently, I wouldn't yeah, recommend it to this young person. So so that that really stuck out to me as something that was that was particularly interesting. Um. And I think that we are with that, that, one of the things that, that also makes me wonder is, is how good that referral is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, if, if if what we infer from from the underlying stats is that the public don't understand the sector particularly well, then um, you know, great that they would refer other people to it, but what are they referring people to? Because if, if that fundamental misunderstanding is is true, then yeah, the likelihood is that they're they're maybe pointing them in, in quite a quite a narrow direction. Um appointment to the wrong thing I think you know again speaking to people around the sector we look at what's coming down the track with uh, with modern methods and, and some of the work that's going on there you know when I, I look at people that are involved in in solving the infrastructure challenge that we've got at the minute there's some really really exciting things to to get involved in um we, we just need to tell that that story better so so yeah that, that was the big surprise for me was the 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 participation issue again the skills gap wouldn't exist if people didn't Fundamentally, want to join the sector on some level, so, so that didn't surprise mm. me all that much. Um, but the amount of people willing to make the referral um, yeah.
0: did surprise me. So it's twenty, it's twenty twenty three. You just released this first report, um, which is accessible to anybody, which is fantastic and, and and the right thing to do. What's what's next then?
1: So, so we're, we're we're working at the minute. We've had a lot of interest in in sort of people getting involved from a, a partnership basis. So yeah i'd encourage anyone that that kind of wants to to take part in as i say the the fundamental goal is to start to outreach to the general public so mm-hmm. if that's something that you want to to help and support for for the betterment of the sector then then that would be the next step for us so we're we're working with partners at the minute um and encouraging more to to sort of shape what that looks like the plan pretty soon into the new year will be to develop a as i said before a public facing campaign where we just start to, to unpick some of these myths and, and undo some of those perceptions. The, the first one being that the sector is more than the part that's visible, um, so that more people can, can find a way into the sector. The ultimate thing we'll be looking to do with with deconstruction is basically to partner the public with industry. So if you wouldn't know where to start, to, to your point earlier, if you wouldn't know the brands to research, the roles to research, et cetera, et cetera, we want to be that resource. That All you need to retain is, is deconstruction to, to find that. And then the website will will help you ultimately find your way to um, an employment opportunity. At the very least, some more information. So again, if you are going to refer someone else into the sector rather than come and working it yourself, at the very least you're doing it from an informed point of view. So, yeah. so yeah. So if you're if you're in the industry and want to partner with us, then then great. Uh, please get in touch. The the literally all parts of the sector, regardless of, of what it is that your business does or its size, there will be a way for you to to partner with us and a role for you to play in in doing this. One of the, the things that we were very keen to stress when when starting this is that this isn't the vehicle of, of any one or any number of of you know organizations within we recognize that the sector is fragmented we recognize that we've got a high number of smes relative to other markets so um yeah we, we want to find a way for, for everyone to participate mm. and equally a way for everyone to benefit off um, of any success that the initiative generates as well so yeah please uh please reach out and we'll uh we'll find a way to work together
0: fantastic so if you want to download the report Links will be in the show notes, so you can just go to this Um Ryan's agency, slg.agency. Uh, get in touch with him by any means. LinkedIn as well, Ryan, is that a good way to get in touch?
1: It absolutely is. I, uh, I For my sins, I practically live on there now, so uh, yeah, by all means, follow me on there.
0: <laughs> yeah, necessary evil. Um, I didn't say that. <laughs> you said it. Uh, okay. Um, Ryan, thank you so, so much for coming on and explaining uh, this report, what you're doing and how you're going to take it forward. No, thank you, I'll be I'll be viewing it with a keen eye and uh the next one when there's further analysis we'll get you back on and, and we'll chat about that if you if you so kindly will. Thank you very much. No great stuff, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and giving this a listen. If you want to chat further about anything you've heard on today's episode, have a topic or technology you'd like me to cover, or simply want to say hi You'll find me on LinkedIn or through the emails. Peter at builddifferent.marketing. Stay disruptive.